Welcome to the Infinite Spark of Being podcast. My name is Keith Welsh, and in this episode, I'm going to be reading a piece from the second book, uh, Ocean, titled I Found Radiant Bliss. This is another piece about my dad's death. Um, I decided to do this uh, around Father's Day after spending most of the day reflecting on my relationship with my dad. But before we get into all that, if you'd like to support the ongoing creation of this thing that I call the infinite spark of being, there are multiple ways to do so, all of which can be found on the website, theinfinitesparkofbeing.com. There's a donation link where you can either uh, you can donate monthly through Patreon or a one-time for whatever the amount through Venmo. Both of these things help me out greatly. Uh, there are also links to purchase apparel, prints, or one of the first two infinite spark of being books. Uh, the first one being Agreement, and the second one being Ocean. Third one is on its way. I'm really happy with it. I love it so far. So here we are, another reading. I found Radiant Bliss. Let's get started. found radiant bliss at your bedside while watching over your body. Your death became the most important spiritual moment of my life. To finally witness the captainless vessel set adrift, consciousness freed from its moorings to wander freely through the astral seas, to astral realms of light and color. I feel that we've always been connected, you and I, long before this birth. To think of you now, there is a clarity knowing. I see who you were very clearly, Dad. For all of your unskillful thinking, there was a heart of gold. Now, I sense your consciousness is clear, freed from acculturated thoughts and ideas that were never our own. Mom saw you from time to time on the porch watching the river. I believe that the old place was truly your home. The folks that bought the old house seemed nice enough, older couple. I met them at Shorty's place on New Year's Day. She misses you, Dad. Everyone does. I don't. But maybe I'm too practical for that kind of thing. I've cried for you twice since you left. The first time was in the evening on the day that you died to this world. The second was in the morning after a dream where you and I had met in an old church. There was a congregation. You were filing into the pew in front of me. We smiled at one another affectionately, and I hugged you. We sat down, and the service began. I opened my eyes, crying. I have no idea why. It just happened. I didn't try to figure it out. I just stayed with the sweetness, laid there for a while, and carried on. She's been a light for me, Dad. I wish you could have met her while you were here, more for her benefit than anything else. I think she would have liked you. You were a good man. You were honest. I carry so much of your wild, lawless nature inside of me. So much of your rebellion flows through my veins. I know better than to rub against life now. Nowadays, I just stand on the edge of the river. Though sometimes I do fall in, she's there to lift me out. 
I think you'd be proud of me. I think I've done all right. We'll talk later. Love, your boy. I say this often, but the death of my parents were the most spiritually significant moments of my life. Um, of any practice I've ever engaged in, of any thought exercise I've ever engaged in, sitting with their bodies and then working through the grief was the most powerful shift in consciousness I've ever experienced. Um, death is the ultimate truth of the human experience. Everything that you love and care for will eventually cease to have existence on this plane. It's the ultimate natural experience. And knowing, knowing that, we all run around grasping and clinging at impermanence while, as Carlos Castaneda put it in his books about his time with his shaman, Don Juan Matus, death waits within arms reach to the left. Um, we don't talk about it. We don't accept it. We just run around pretending it's not there. Um, and when people hear me talk about uh, talk this way about death, they tell me I'm so pessimistic. Well, that's your shit. That's not my shit. I'm not over here trying to die, but I'm also not over here pretending it's not going to happen to me and everyone that I love. Um, that can sound very negative if you're still asleep to the reality of the human birth. That reality is that it ends. You don't end, but your experience certainly does. Um, a lot of us are attached to an experience and not the truth. You only experience what you think is you. I experience Keith as an incarnation. I experience my personality traits, my ego structure, my self-concept, but that's not what I am. It's what I experience. It's what me, soul, Atman experiences. Anyway, uh, let's look at this piece, um, I Found Radiant Bliss. I found radiant bliss at your bedside while watching over your body. Your death became the most important spiritual moment of my life. To finally witness the captainless vessel set adrift, consciousness freed from its moorings, to wander freely through the astral seas to astral realms of light and color. Um, I remember holding my dad's hand. Uh, I wasn't crying. I wasn't longing. I just held it. I wanted to know how it felt. And the craziest part about it is that it was the first time I ever held or touched my dad's hand outside of a handshake, a handshake which was actually kind of rare. Some of you hear that and you think, oh, that's sad. But really, that's just how it was. I don't feel sad about it. It's not like I was always walking around trying to touch my dad's hand. It's just how we were. It was how our relationship was, and I don't think it diminished it. But sitting there holding his hand allowed my nervous system to feel the emptiness of his body. Um, a lot of people report that. They talk about standing there with the body and having this feeling of, oh, that's not even them, which can also be a shock. It's a shock because them... Uh, because to them, mind has turned the body into this physical symbol of them, right? And them, it tells the body how to feel. That, that meat suit tells the body how to feel. Well, 
if the body uh, is no longer up and moving and talking, the mind can panic because it thinks it's lost its connection to the love that uh, that person in their perception made them feel. Um, okay, so this next part here. I feel that we've always been connected, you and I, long before this birth. To think of you now, there's a clarity, a knowing. I see who you were very clearly, Dad. For all of your unskillful thinking, there was a heart of gold. Now I feel your consciousness is clear, freed from acculturated thoughts and ideas that are never our own. Um, my dad may not have been the best father. Uh, he didn't do a lot of parenting, but he loved me more than anything in this, in this world. And, and he taught me a lot. Granted, it wasn't, it, it was a lot of the teaching was by accident. <laughs> he still managed to teach me. Um, now I'm assuming a lot of people feel this way, but I just feel like my dad and I, uh, had or continue to have this kind of cosmic relationship. But that being said, I feel like we finished our work together on this plane. It's like we had one last thing to do and now we're done and our souls have parted ways. Um, it's not sad. It just feels okay to me. Um, he had a very heavy sadhana in his life. Um, his childhood was vicious and lonesome and the reward for experiencing that was the love that he felt for my mom and I. Um, and speaking of my mom, uh, let's look at the next bit of this. Um, mom saw you from time to time on the porch watching the river. I believe that the old place was truly your home. The folks that bought the old house seemed nice enough, older couple. I met them at Shorty's place on New Year's Day. She misses you, Dad. Everyone does. I don't, but maybe I'm too practical for that kind of thing. Uh, so my mom used to say that she'd see my dad stand. Dad, the, the house was this big um, stilt house with a wraparound porch, and you know their recliners faced the uh, the west where the sunset was, and that's where she would see him. Um, they lived on Lake Okeechobee, and there's this canal called the Rim Canal that goes around the whole thing. And she'd see him standing out there looking out over the water. And I'd say, oh, like you imagine him standing there. And she'd say, no, I can see him. It's like he's right there. And I think that means I'm going to die. She believed that her seeing my dad meant she was going to die. Then at some point she stopped seeing him. And that kind of seemed to bother her. Um, my mom wanted to die after my dad was gone. There was no joy left for her, really. She wanted out. Um, I don't have kids, so she didn't have, like, grandkids she was holding on for. She just loved my dad, and, you know. My mom used to say, I miss your dad's mind the most. And that was really telling about what kind of relationship they had, and, like, how my dad was. My dad was an interesting guy. Um, and that's what's really been wild for me is that over the, uh, as the years go by, I miss them more. Um, my mom, of course, uh, has only been gone two years, her body, whatever. But my dad, it's almost 17 years now. Um, but this year, for whatever reason, I miss him. Um, I don't know what I miss about them, uh, or my dad specifically, but I just, I don't know, I just do. It's a feeling, you know the feeling. Um, so let's read this next part. 
I've cried for you twice since you left. The first time was in the evening on the day that you died to this world. The second was in the morning after a dream where you and I met in an old church. There was a congregation. You were filing into the pew in front of me. We smiled at one another affectionately and I hugged you. We sat down and the service began. I opened my eyes crying. I have no idea why. It just happened. I didn't try to figure it out. I just stayed with the sweetness, laid there for a while and carried on. So uh, I haven't done a lot of crying over my dad's death. I think probably because he was sick for so long and in those instances, or at least for me in that instance, I think maybe I got to process it slowly as it was happening. So it wasn't this crashing thing. Um, I don't know, but I've, I've had these dreams about my dad and they felt very real. Uh, they felt dense, if that makes sense. I feel like most dreams feel very thin and kind of wispy, but, uh, these felt very substantial and heavy. Um, like I'd hug him in the dream and I could feel his body in my hands. I could feel his shoulder bones. Um, while my dad was in body, uh, he only hugged me once and only said, I love you once. And it was on the day that he told me he had cancer. Uh, my dad was just from a time and place where, in his opinion, men didn't do that sort of thing. Uh, he had a hard upbringing. Uh, he was a hard man in some ways, but in some ways he was just, he was fun and he was very complex. My dad was a very, very complex guy. Um, you know, at work, we, we talk a lot about things that happen in our childhoods that weren't great. And yes, there were things that my dad did that won't exactly count as skillful parenting. And some of it was pretty bad, but at the same time, I love who I am right now. And as I get older, I love how I am. At 46, I have finally embraced all of my personality traits, the controller, the analyst, uh, the entitlement, all of it. Uh, my parents' unskillfulness created a human experience for me that I really, really enjoy. And I'm grateful for it. So let's look at this last bit. She's been a light for me, Dad. I wish you could have met her here. I wish you could have met her while you were here. More for her benefit than anything else, I think she would have liked you. You were a good man. You were honest. I carry so much of your wild, lawless nature inside of me. So much of your rebellion flows through my veins. I know better than to rub up against life now. Nowadays, I just stand on the edge of the river. Though sometimes I do fall in, she's there to lift me out. I think you'd be proud of me. I think I've done all right. We'll talk later, love your boy. Um, at the time that I at the time that I wrote this, I was in a long term relationship that was very significant. And although it uh, in the end, my walls pop. Although in the uh, that uh, it didn't last, it didn't pan out. Um, as we both, I don't know, we both kind of we grew, we changed, we grew apart. Um, I owe a lot of who I am right now to that time in my life, and I honor it. Uh, she would have loved to meet my dad. Uh, he was a true, true character. So my dad, uh, my dad had a past that only a few people know about because it's a complicated explanation and it's, it sounds bad, but, uh, with all of that, he was, he was a good man. 
Um, he was honest, he was tough, and he loved my mom and me endlessly. You know, however, he was fucking wild. He was a wild man, you know. Um, I always test really high for entitlement in personality tests, and, and that, that word bothers a lot of people, but what that means to me is that I'm going to do this my way no matter what, and I don't believe that all the rules apply to me, and I don't believe I should adhere to stupid rules. And I get all of that from my dad. Um, actually, I get it from my mom, too. Uh, what's funny is my mom, after my dad died, my mom stayed in that house on the lake for about 10 years. She moved into a 55 and up community. She used to say she was 55 and way up. <laughs> um, but I remember my dad's friends and I were helping her move. And the day that we were helping her move, um, these two old men... Uh, I looked inside and I see them standing over her, chastising her. And I was in the bo- back of the mood I put a box down. I w- walking in there like, this is going to be a problem for you too because my dad's friends are not by nature nice people. And uh, I'm not by nature a nice person, I guess. But we walked in and my and the guy goes, under whose authority do you have to move in today? And my mom goes, under cash's authority. I paid fucking cash. Now get out of my... <laughs> But as they turned around, they saw me, my dad's buddy Fred, this guy Scott. We're all just standing in the doorway like, the fuck is happening right here? And why are you talking to this lovely lady like that? But you know how these condo commando bullshit HOA situations are. If you're on your HOA at your development fucking shame on you quit anyway um (laughs) i remember my mom was also reading the rules she's like my god if i want to plant a lime tree i should be able to plant a lime i was like mom you can't just go plant fucking trees everywhere my hoa is filled with shitheads anyway um so uh the other story i think that i should tell it's very interesting about my dad so uh, so I was 15, we lived on, in, a, in a nice house, this little Mediterranean house that my dad designed and built on this corner lot on the water in Palm Beach County. And if you know what that is, in the 60s, they bought that lot for three grand. That lot is now worth millions of dollars. But they sold it because for the simple reason my dad hated Palm Beach County. My dad hated being around people. You know, all you post these cute little memes about how you hate being around people. Well, my dad took it to the next level. You think you hate being around people, but would you do this kind of shit? So my dad and my mom sell the house. My mom bought a townhouse on the beach so that I could finish high school and not have to go to a crazy podunk high school in the middle of fucking nowhere, Florida. Um, But my dad bought... uh, five or six acres, yeah, something like that, on uh, Lake Okeechobee, right, in a place called Port Mayaka. And if you look on Google Maps, you will see they're in a goddamn thing in Port Mayaka. There's houses, like, along the water, but if you if you go to the grocery and you forget bread, you are fucked when you get home. <laughs> That's like another road trip. Anyway, so my dad bought this land and had the Seminoles come and build him a chicky on the land. And a chicky is just like a gazebo. (laughs) 
a big ass palm frond gazebo. He built a big one and then he put a raised floor in it and then a half wall screened it in. And my dad lived out there by himself, the exception of friends coming and visiting and sleeping in their trucks and shit. But he lived in that thing for four years alone. My mom would not, my mom was like, I'm not camping fucking every day. That's not going to be a thing. So he lived out there alone. And if my mom and I wanted to see my dad on the weekends or whatever, we had to drive out to Port Mayaka and hang out in this fucking chicky. And in the summer, it is hot. But he had uh, he had a gas stove. He had a gas, like, he had, like, some sort of shower set up. I don't fucking know. It was crazy. But, yeah, and he was out there with his airboat and his John boat. And that's just how he lived for four years he lived out there. And we would have family get-togethers out there. It was really cool. Um, but it was weird because people would be like, where's your dad? And I'm like, oh, he's at his place. Where's his place? <laughs> the middle of fucking nowhere. My dad lives in a grass hut. So when I make that joke about my dad living in a grass hut, I mean it. And those of you that think you're antisocial and misanthropic, I know it's cute. You think you are. But how far are you willing to take that shit? Uh, my dad's nickname was Onion. Onion took that shit to the next level. No fucks given. Um, and I think that's why I'm the way I am. You know? Like I said, I test high for controller, analyst, and entitlement. And it's not a bratty entitlement. I mean, I guess it's bratty depending on where you're standing. But for me, it's like, no, I'm not doing that. Some of you that are close to me listen to this and you're you you're laughing because you know some of you knew my dad and <laughs> anyway um yeah I just wanted to share so I get that from both my parents it's the way it's you know part of the reason I am the way I am um and at this age I'm just gonna love on it um maybe it's my samskara you know I don't know whatever so anyway, that's it for this reading of I Found Radiant Bliss. Um, my intention, as always, is to be clear and give you something to think about. I hope that I did that today. Uh, maybe something to consider. And again, if you'd like to support this thing that I call the Infinite Spark of Being, you can do that through the website, which is going to be changing. going to be working on that today, offering some new stuff. The Infinite Spark of Being.com is where you can purchase books, prints, apparel, um, and through a one-time attaboy donation, you could you know hit the hit the old Venmo. Uh, there's Patreon. Anyway, uh, remember we know each other. We've been doing this for fucking ever. We're old friends, and a lot of you are learning that that you can always reach out. If you DM me your phone number, you're getting a text message and a phone call. We're gonna talk. So uh, don't be weird about it. I love you. Bye. <laughs>